Welcome, tennis fans, to KickServeRadio.com, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, featuring International Tennis Hall of Famer, former world number one Mats Vlander, and Texas Longhorn all-time great, two-time All-American Johnny Levine. Your host of KickServeRadio.com is Andy Zoden. So, take it away, AZ. And take it away, I will. Welcome, everybody, to the season finale, 2022 season finale of KickServeRadio.com. And as you have heard many times, of course, we are part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. The great Mats Vlander joins us, seven-time major, make it eight-time major champion, former number one in the world, International Tennis Hall of Famer, Johnny Levine, a Hall of Famer in his own right. He joined the University of Texas Hall of Honor this year, as well as the Southwestern Division Hall of Fame uh, for tennis this year. So a big year for Johnny on the induction circuit. And boys, 2022 was an amazing year. We're going to talk about some of the high points, maybe in some cases some of the low points of the year, whatever the big stories were. But first things first, Mats Lander, you just spent some time at an event down in Saudi Arabia. And I, I assumed you had been to every country in the world a number of times, but this is the first time you've been in Saudi Arabia. And Saudi Arabia, of course, has been in the news for a number of reasons, not the least of which is the Live Golf Tour. And there's been a lot of controversy attached to all that has gone on with the Live Tour. And I know that you had a lot to think about before committing to going down there. Finally, you did. Let's hear about that experience. It was in the capital, Riyadh, uh, and uh, it was uh, 12 guys. Uh, that played Daniel Medvedev, one of them. Stefanos Tsitsipas was seated one. Uh, Taylor Fritz, Sasha Zverev, Dominic Team, Nick Curios, Cam Nori, Matteo Berrettini. I mean, it just went on and on and on and on. And I got this uh, uh, offer in September um, that, hey, you want to go to, to Saudi Arabia? We're going to have a tennis tournament. And I'm like, whoa, that's like in two months. Um, so I mean, do you have a field? It's like now nah, we're looking at top 20 guys. I'm like, wow, t- two months out, that's going to be tough to find. But uh, I don't think Saudi Arabia, with uh, the financial support that they seem to have, uh, backing sports in these days, um, that wasn't really a problem. Um, I have to say, there was obviously prize money, it was $250,000 to win a singles match. Uh, I think it was $125,000 per guy to win a doubles match, which never happens. Wow. So, yeah, incredible. But that's the way they have to do it. And everyone was serious. Grigor Dimitrov was an alternate. Wow. So it was fantastic. In terms of uh, the country, I mean, I don't really know much about politics, but I do know that it was fun. Uh, and uh, they have something going. They're going to they're gonna keep that exhibition going, maybe even look for something bigger. In the case, Matt, of politics – um, the politics of the sport, I think where I'm looking to see if where tennis parts ways with golf is that when these golfers made the decision to join the live tour, the PGA then basically banned them from their tour. There's no risk of any of these tennis players that decided to go down for this event, putting themselves in any sort of harm's way with respect to the ATP tour. Is there? 
No, it's just an exhibition tournament. Right. No, absolutely not. No. Um, I mean, again, the uh, the golfers that have joined the Live Tour, Andy and Johnny, they were allowed to play in the Australian PGA Championships, the Australian Masters, and the Australian Open. Um, and part of those are part of the DP World Tour. So I'm not sure the PGA Tour of America. I think they're. Um, I think they had to take a stand, but I'm sure that they need to and will solve this problem and most probably in some fashion join up in the end. You know, they're they're not really trying to compete in a way. They're just adding another tour or whatever. So I think if that happened in tennis, I think the ATP would be wise to to uh, look into, you know, joining up just like the ATP and the Davis Cup, I, I hear. Are, are trying to join up and, and maybe do something. So, um, but hey, some players, I understand. You go down for the money. The money that I got paid was really good compared to what I would get paid normal week. So, would I go back? Most probably. But I think everyone, all the guys will definitely go back. And Johnny, I think Matt's making mention of the fact that he got paid so well compared to what he mostly would make during the season is clearly a shot at me and you because I had him at my club this year. You had him down for your tournament. And clearly what he's telling us is that we're cheapskates by comparison to what the Saudis paid him. And I mean, that's fair enough. I, I will accept that. And before I go to you, Johnny, I do have to ask Matt's one more thing and then I will get you to comment on this. Johnny, but it, you would think, Matt, that with a field like what you described, the most intriguing part of that whole story would would have been some of the tennis matches. But for me, and I got to believe Johnny agrees with this, the interview with Nick Kyrgios comes to mind as what in the world was that like? Because the last time there was sort of communication, if you will, between you and Nick Kyrgios, uh, it was by way of Twitter. And to some extent, it wasn't necessarily pleasurable for you. What was it like interviewing Nick Kyrgios? Uh, was he as, as charming as he is capable of being or was he not? Well, just to put the record straight, there was no communication between me and Nick Curious for any reason or anything. So I have never uh, thought anything uh, other than good about Nick Curious. He commented on the fact that I had gone out and said that maybe Andy Murray shouldn't, shouldn't have taken the wildcard at the French Open ah. uh, three years ago when he lost to Stan Wawrinka first round. And it didn't really look like he wanted to be there. And I said something along the lines of, well, maybe he should consider not taking every wildcard that gets thrown at him, only take the ones where he's really motivated. It was supposed to be a constructive criticism. And then and then there were a lot of people that went out and said, oh, uh, he should be able to get a wildcard wherever he wants. Again, people are not really listening to what you say. They're trying to, to blow things up. But that wasn't what I was saying. But Nick went out and defended Andy Murray. Andy Murray put me on the spot at Wimbledon the same the same year. And he's and like, that was fun. Well, you don't think I should take wild cards everywhere, Matt. So I'm like, no, no, no. I think you take them if you're motivated, just like any other person in, in life. So, uh, but uh, yeah, Nick was great. Unbelievable interview. He's very, very, um, very clever. He has a very uh, interesting way of looking at his tennis. Uh, and he's, he's honest up, up front, Frank with everything. Barbara Shett, my, my, uh, uh, co-worker at Eurosport asked him, Nick, so you didn't play Davis cup. You didn't play labor cup. But here you are playing an exhibition in Saudi Arabia just after. Uh, how come? And he goes, oh, it's money, mate. Six figures, mate. So, and yeah, that's that's the answer. That's it. So he was great. He was very courteous. He, he's, very, he's a very deep thinker, and he thinks of tennis in a complete different way. He was positive. I asked him about, you know, being Nick Curious when everybody's screaming, tweener Nick, go crazy Nick. 
breakdance, Nick, whatever. So he said, yeah, that's tough because I'm trying to focus and win matches, but I know they want them and want my, me to do so. It was great. And um, I'm so excited that I did it uh, because I think Nick, is, he's changed his mindset uh, quite a bit. And I think we better watch out because he's going to be tough to beat uh, in this upcoming year for sure in the, in the Grand Slams, especially Australian and Wimbledon. It was tough to beat last year. Johnny, when we look back on 2022, and I, I do want to start to move toward our year in review, and really uh, as far as the year was for Johnny Levine, you know, for all the years that you played tennis, would it be safe to say that 2022, when you look at it as a whole, you ran an amazing challenger back in March that Dennis Kudla won the singles and the doubles? Uh, later in the year, you were then, as I mentioned before, you were inducted into the Texas Longhorn Hall of Honor. Then just recently, within the last few weeks, inducted into the into the the, the Southwestern uh, Division uh, Tennis Hall of Fame alongside Gary Donnelly. Is it safe to say that you're going to look back when it's all said and done at 2022 as maybe the best year of your tennis career, even though it's long past your playing days? Here's Johnny. Yeah, I mean, Andy, I, I guess um, it was a pretty good year as far as that goes. You're right. I mean, three great tennis situations for me. Um, the induction into the Texas Hall of Honor was off the charts, and I am so humbled and honored to be a part of that. That was really crazy. And then this USTA Southwest was was a cool thing too. Um, you know, having the history of the junior career here and growing up in Phoenix and having Gary Donnelly go in with me on that was really a special night. And Gary he has a great tennis program here in, in, in Scottsdale. And he coached my three boys who all played high school tennis. So it was really special. And then, you know, the tournament that we held in March was the, the really, it was the second year that we had it. We, we prepared the one year we had to cancel, but it really came off great. We had great weather uh, and of course we had Matt's Philander at our event, which made it huge. And, um, and of course you Andy, but, but the tennis was great. It has been a great year. We're looking forward to next year and it looks like we're going to hold the tournament, uh, once again in 2023. So Johnny, let me ask you, because, um, for me, 2022 at the majors was maybe the most exciting year that I have experienced in the last 20 years, I swear. And a lot has to do with the people, the fans. The fans at the U.S. Open are absolutely crazy uh, this year. Of course, Carlos Alcaraz has a lot to do with it. The fans in the French Open, nuts. So my question to you, Johnny, is you're in the trenches. You had a tournament, or you have a tournament. So did you feel that their interest in tennis or interest in events has gone through the roof and I would put it maybe because of COVID being over, because that's what I'm feeling at these events. People are just crazy. They've been locked up for a couple of years and then they let out. Did that happen on the on the sort of the sponsor side and the and the fan side in your tournament? You know more than me and Andy about that. I think so. It just seems like there's been a lot more interest in the big slams, which then brings that tennis interest locally with our tournament. And I've noticed it. I mean, when I talk to sponsors and people that, that attended our event, they, they come back and, you know, did you see that? I saw that player at the open and I've been following this Berrettini since he played. And I do feel that buzz of, of, of additional interest 
in in tennis. Um, you know, we do know that pickleball has become really popular, but I'm I'm really bullish on tennis right now in in the popularity and in, in the tournaments. And I think that you know when you you're in New York City during the U.S. Open, it, 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 you know, being in that city adds to people's enjoyment there. Just like in Phoenix in March, um, the weather is fantastic. There's a buzz in, in the valley, and I think that adds to uh, the allure of, of, of our event. And I think it's going to continue to grow. Before we go to break guys, let's definitely give credit where credit is due and part of our year in review, because one of the best guests that we had all season long, you guys was Ken Solomon, uh, CEO of tennis channel. And he went into great detail about the additional coverage that tennis channel has been giving to where you can almost see any pro match on the tour, men or women, all year long with all of the different platforms that Tennis Channel is providing. And we're just we're just happy to be a part of their team in our small way. But what they're doing with, with social media and online and all of the different streaming services and televised matches, that is creating familiarity with tennis fans of more tennis players so that when they come to Phoenix – I would offer that some of the players that you may not have heard of otherwise, maybe you've had a little bit of a glimpse of because of what Tennis Channel was doing. So Ken Solomon and all the folks at Tennis Channel, David Egdis and, and, and Ari Cohen and Andy Chu and all of the great folks there, we thank you for allowing us to be a part of your platform, but we also thank you for creating all of this familiarity of all these players on the tour for all of the hard work that they're putting in. And I think that that's, that's going a long way toward helping the sport grow and maybe the sensation that you're describing there mats has a lot to do with their efforts all right when we come back guys let's do talk about some of the great matches of the year some of the great moments of the year because there was as you said mats more excitement at some of these majors than we've ever seen before so let's touch on some of those things when we come back on kickserveradio.com the 2022 season finale part of tennis channel podcast network back right after this Andy Zoden here, and I am joined by Ryan Burberry and Jessica Auerkirk. Ryan is the owner, and Jessica is the marketing director for Velocity Tennis. And it's very exciting because you guys have just come out with what has to be termed as a revolutionary new product. It is the Velocity Catalyst String. Ryan, it's biodegradable. I mean, I've never heard of biodegradable tennis string. Talk to me about it. Yeah, definitely. So it's the first uh, 100% biodegradable synthetic tennis string. So obviously, like natural gut, it's made from um, kind of cow intestines, so that that's biodegradable. But this is the first overall arching synthetic string that's biodegradable, which is revolutionary. So Jessica, Ryan talking about cow intestines is probably why you are the marketing director. <laughs> And from a marketing perspective, biodegradable is one thing. But if I'm getting ready to go play an important tennis match, that may not be the main focus for me that day. Talk about performance of the string. We recently submitted Velocity Catalyst biodegradable string to the playtesters at Racket Sports Industries magazine. And they sent it out to, I believe, 50 plus players of all different levels and um, got them to test it, get their feedback. And what the playtesters found was that it was a very durable string, very um, spin-friendly, and had really good control. So it received high marks from the players in all those areas. Yeah, and we're doing uh, buy one, get two free sets at the original retail price, just as an introductory offer. So 
If you try it out, you buy one set and you get two extra ones for either you or your friends. Get three for the price of one. You can't beat that. The website is VelocityTennis.com. This is Velocity, V-E-L-O-C-I-T-I. Thanks for being on with us, you guys. Good luck with everything. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back, everybody. Season finale, KickServeRadio.com, Tennis Channel, Podcast Network. The year in review, guys, there were so many great storylines. Some were controversial. Some were just just downright positive. Some brought tears to your eyes. Let's start with this, guys. Uh, who was the men's player of the year in 2022, Mats Um, I would say that it has to be Rafael Nadal um, to me. I think winning two majors at 36 years old, in the situation where he's at in terms of the race. Um, and, of course, the way he did it at, at the Australian Open was incredible. But then def- defending his t- – winning his 14th French Open, that's incredible. Um, semis of Wimbledon, even though he was injured. Yes, Novak Djokovic, he had a rough year. One Wimbledon, no points. You just can't – So it just wasn't Novak's year in terms of all the – um, other things that happen. He, uh, unbelievable that he can win the ATP finals and Wimbledon. And I mean, it, but that's more f- for me, he's just catapulting himself into 2023. Like I think 2023, that's going to be Novak's year. Uh, and then of course, Carlos Alcaraz, unbelievable year. Won what five tournaments, 19 years old, youngest number one ever. That's incredible. But I still think you have to give it to Nadal. Um, because of how he did it and what he did and winning two majors. That's unbelievable at 36 years old, but what a great year. The, the biggest age gap ever between number one in the world and number two in the world, unless Jimmy Connors and Ken Rosewall were number ones in 73, 74. But I don't think Ken Rosewall was number two in the world at that time. They had a big age gap. But, I mean, 19 years old, Alcaraz to Nadal, 36. That's amazing. Any argument with that, Johnny, that Rafael Nadal was the men's player of the year this year? Look, Matt's made a comment about Nadal that I think is spot on. 14 French Opens, to me, is... He didn't win them all this year, though. Better research next time, buddy. No, we know that, uh, Andy. We know that. <laughs> okay. Um, stay, with, stay with me, Andy. And I'm you'll, trying. You'll, you'll, I'm you'll trying. Get there. So, right. so 14 <laughs> French Opens is a record that I think stands amongst one of the greatest sports records of all time, and he's still going. However, however, Alcaraz finishing the year number one, the youngest number one, I got to go with Alcaraz on that. Okay. I, I, I mean, look, Nadal's older. He's he's won two slams before in a year. Uh, so that isn't as special to me as seeing the youngest number one. There's another player that I think deserves – a tremendous amount of credit for the year that he ended up with. 
And that's a guy that basically had to retire because his hips went out. And now he's top 50 in the world after just a couple of really two, three years of struggle. And that's Andy Murray. I mean, that guy to be able to fight back and claw back his way into the top 50 in the world in tennis. I know it seems crazy when he was number one. How's what's 48? You guys know how difficult that is to get to where he is, especially in that condition with the hips. It's just a huge effort. I, he's got to be comeback player of the year. Did they, I don't know if they've given that award out or not, but. All right, we'll give we'll give you that. We weren't asking about it, but we'll give him senior player of the year in the meantime and keep that place warm. How about guys American men's player of the year, Matt Vlander? Well, to be honest, just because I'm fresh off the plane from Saudi Arabia and Taylor Fritz won it, um, beat Cam Norrie, beat uh, Medvedev seven six seven six in the finals, and beating these guys there. To me, it makes a big difference. They were trying really hard. And he said to Barbara Shett from Eurosport how he was going to change his tactics. And I was listening live before the, just before the match started. And they said, I'm going to serve and volley a little bit and hit a slice or two. And I looked at Barbara Shett like, did he actually just say that? Because I thought I heard that. And then he starts playing. And that's what he did. So I think we're seeing Taylor Fritz. We know he smacks it from both sides. He serves bombs all the time. But he's starting to understand that you have to throw in a slice sometimes. you got to come to the net sometimes. Even if it's just once or twice every 20 minutes, he's doing all these things. I think it belongs to Taylor Fritz, to be honest. And I think Taylor Fritz, he might just start separating himself a little bit from the other Americans unless they're able to to sort of uh, switch and, and keep up with him. Francis Tiafo, but... Consistency-wise, Taylor Fritz. Okay, so Taylor Fritz, Johnny, wins at Indian Wells, beats Nadal in the final, uh, goes to the quarterfinals, almost beats Nadal in the quarters of Wimbledon, where he would have set up with an amazing, what would have been an amazing semi against Nick Kyrgios at Wimbledon, uh, falters at the U.S. Open, losing to Brandon Holt in the first round. Tracy Austin's son uh, maybe was a little dinged up at the end of the year. Francis Tiafo, on the other hand, maybe didn't start out like a house on fire the way Fritz did, but gets to the semis of the U.S. Open with a win over Nadal in a major. Still, I would have to say the win of his career and then really puts the world team on his back in the Labor Cup. Teams with uh, Jack Sock to beat Nadal and Federer and in, 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 in Rogers. A swan song match and really finished the year strong. So between Taylor Fritz and Francis TFO, who's the American player of the year? It's got to be one of those two. Well, anytime you qualify for the year end tour finals, you know, that's the ultimate goal of these players. I know obviously winning slams, but when you reach that pinnacle of making the top eight year end finals, um, that's as good as it gets. And Taylor Fritz did it. Um, I heard uh, Gil, Gil Simone talking about his 20-year career uh, on an interview the other day, and he, he retired, and he, he recalled making, you know, qualifying that one year for the for the Tour Finals. Jack Sock did it. Um, and so with Fritz getting there, he's definitely the top American and, and deserves all the credit uh, for, for elevating his game now into the top 10. TFO is now, uh, you know, in the top 20 and, and the future is just so bright for him to reach the top 10 and hopefully he'll make a tour final. But Fritz, it just shows you, and you mentioned it, Andy, losing to Brandon Holt, who is a, was a rival in the juniors and stuff. And Holt goes in and beats him at, at, at a huge slam. Holt had never played the main draw. 
It just shows the depth of the tennis and especially American tennis. I mean, Holt is not even in the top 200 and beat Taylor Fritz. So American tennis has so much to look forward to. And, you know, now that we have a player in the top 10, I think the interest too in, in us for, for, for fans is going to grow even that much more. Speaking of a player in the top 10 mats, if we combine the men's game and the women's game is the American player of the year, potentially actually Coco Goff. Because of her doubles efforts combined with the singles. And, and singles, of course. Of course, Jesse Pegula did the same thing. Um, maybe if you're looking at level, maybe Jesse Pegula might might have had a, a better year um, in terms. I know she ended up being higher ranked, I think, at the end of the year. But I think you always have to look at also where they're coming from. Of course, Jesse Pegula, is, she's sort of new, even though she's a bit uh, older. So that's an unbelievable effort. And for Coco Goff, she's responded to all the pressure, all the hype, everything we're, we're trying to put on her and she's responded. She hasn't done extremely well in majors, but she's done well enough. She finals of the French open was amazing. Finals was a bit disappointing, but kind of expected against easily the best player in the world on the women's side in Iga Schwantek. So yeah, Coco Goff, I think overall most probably grabs it, but uh, a shout out for Jesse Pegula for showing that hard work and dedication means that you can just like a Cam Nori on the men's side, uh, you can go through college and, and not, nobody really talks about you. Hard work and discipline and, and, and tennis IQ. Wow, you can get to the top of this game, which I don't think we thought five to ten years ago you can go that route. But today they've they're proven you can. Johnny, let's go back to the men's game. What was the match of the year? The tennis match of the year in your mind? Well, I wish you'd asked me that before so I had a little time to think about it. Well, that's that's how this works. It's all about spontaneity, baby. And you know what I'm going to do on this one? You're going to defer. To Mats Vilander because <laughs> he was there, he was live, and I want to hear what Mats has to say. All right. We were going to go to him on this, but all the fair play. Mats, match of the year. I think we both know what it was. Uh, well, it's really tough to not put – Rafa Nadal and Daniel Medvedev in the finals of the Australian Open. Uh, that, to me, is most probably the match of the year because of the way that he came back. The hype at the French Open, when Novak Djokovic is taking on Rafa Nadal in the quarterfinals and, and they're talking about putting it at night. That The hype in Paris for that match, and it kind of lived up to it. That was amazing. And in terms of the best tennis match, of the year in terms of level. Here it comes. Easily. 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 Yep. Carlos Alcaraz against Yannick Sinner yep. at the US Open. Thank you. Although Francis Tiafo for for a long while in that uh semis actually got the got the level in that match up to the same. But Sinner and Alcaraz from the first point to the last point, plus they're nineteen and twenty years old, that to me was the biggest positive surprise on the men's side. Easily. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk about a couple of more of the moments of the year, whether they were matches of the year or players of the year, maybe, maybe not. But these will be moments of the year 2022 on the 2022 season finale of KickServeRadio.com, part of Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Please don't go away. One segment left for the season. AZ here. 
kickserveradio.com, and I'm joined by Paul Strata, and he is the developer of iPlayMeToo.com. Paul, it's a real-world tennis app for real-life scenarios. Tell us about it. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Andy. Yeah, so here at iPlayMeToo, we basically built the world's most useful tennis app for the players and for the club pros. And I think if you'd ask most players at clubs, they'd like to play more if it were easy to get games, to enter tournaments, play in ladders. So we've basically digitized all of the scheduling headache and all of the tournament and competition setup so it's as easy as ordering an Uber. And people can focus on playing and not trying to schedule and get a game in. An advantage that you've got in the market from what I've seen is in the presentation of the results, people like seeing their name and lights. Talk a little bit about that side of the site. Clubs can run all kinds of tournaments and ladders and round robins, and the players can enter their own scores right there from their app. The players don't have to text their score to the club pro. They can actually enter it in their app. The app is I Play Me Too. I Play Me, the number two dot com. The developer is Paul Strata. Paul, thank you so much. And, uh, and best of luck with I Play Me Too dot com. All of us that have used it have enjoyed it very much and appreciate the hard work that you have put into it. You bet, Andy. Thanks so much. And anyone who has any questions, they can contact us at I Play Me Too dot com. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Sarah Z here with a kick serve quick serve with my friend and nutrition guru Courtney Ward with Body Fuse. Courtney, as we ladies start to get, oh, shall I say, more advanced or more experienced in our life, our fitness levels take a hit if we're not careful, don't they? You know, Sarah, they do, unfortunately. And I highly suggest supporting your activities at every stage pre-workout, intra-workout, and post-workout. So you want to think about a pre-workout. We have a product called Endgame, and that basically will allow you to increase your energy and focus during your workout. And then intra-workout is almost just as critical. So we have branched-chain amino acids called BCAA311, and that's a perfect product to allow your body to almost refuel while you're working out. It's a super hydrator as well as a muscle recovery while you're working out. And then finally, protein is critical post-workout and Body Fuse Lean Protein is one of the highest quality proteins on the market. Very, very effective, a slow, long burn, six to eight hours after ingestion and after that workout. So your energy, you're not, you're not going to crash and your energy continues. You're feeding your muscles and you just feel 
Great. So with these three elements, pre, intra, and post-workout, you're really going to support yourself at all stages in any activities, in intense workouts, tennis matches, body strength conditionings, uh, sessions, etc. Fantastic. And one more time, Body Fuse. BodyFuseUSA.com. Well, I'm Sarah Z. She's Courtney with Body Fuse. And now back to more tennis talk with the Kickserve Radio Boys. Welcome back, everybody, for the final segment of the 2022 season. This is the finale of KickServeRadio.com. It has been a hell of a year, boys. Of course, I'm joined by Mats Vlander, Johnny Levine. I'm Andy Zoden. And we want to thank all of you that have been tuning in this season. It's our third season together, and we hope to continue to get bigger and better and, and have more followers. And we just appreciate all of you that listen and comment. And, you know, even though we've had a couple of yahoos out there that have come at us with some pretty heavy criticism, we take it all in and we try to get better. Um, guys, let's talk about some of the moments of the year. And Johnny, I will start with you. I mean, what, what was the thing? And you had an opportunity to go to the French. Was that the moment of the year for you going to the French this season? Or was there something else that happened that I don't know about that was really special for you? No, I think, I think you're right. And um, I, Matt's mentioned it earlier that the, the buzz at the French open this year, I mean, the outer courts and, the electric fan, you know, fans were going crazy in, in, in the first and second rounds. Um, it was very hard to, to watch the outer courts because there was the capacity was, was maxed out. And every single day, you know, I went the first four days of the tournament and every single day that I went, it was the same. And, 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 and everyone was into those matches and, and they're grueling and they're grinding and, the tennis was off the charts. It was so much fun. And that was definitely a highlight for me was that French Open. How about adding this to that story, Johnny? Let's not, we would be remiss not to mention that we experienced you there, me from afar, but Matt's Vlander being celebrated for the 40 year anniversary of his very first French Open championship in 1982 that went over Guillermo Vilas, that 17 year old boy that this year, at age 57, 40 years later, would stand on the stage and hand the women's trophy uh, to Iga Svantec, who won that tournament this year. And uh, how special was that for you this year, Matt, the 40-year anniversary at the French? Yeah, unbelievably special, of course. Um, I've been pretty much at the French Open every year since then. It's uh, it's kind of where I grew up as a tennis player uh, during those two weeks because I went from pretty much a really, really good junior to uh, to a top 10 player in the world. So, yeah, those courts are special. The whole tournament uh, is special. Um, I mean, I'm not much for these awards, and I wonder if Iga Swante kind of looked at me like, who on earth is this guy? But, but Amelie Moresmo, former great French uh, woman, female player, won Wimbledon, of course, won the Australian Open. She thought it'd be a good idea to have uh, a man hand out the women's trophy and woman hand out the men's trophy. So a lot of changes going on at the French Open uh, and and with the roof as well. I feel honored that they are uh, trying to stay with the times and not be the slam that sort of has the the most simple 
simple facilities. They're now very modern, as modern at the, as the U.S. Open and as the Australian Open. And, of course, there is no country in the world where tennis is more popular and bigger in relation to the population than France. And they're doing it there. For me, you know, that that final night of Roger Federer's career was really the the moment of the year. And I watched that a couple of times. I watched the match with obviously he and Rafa uh, getting getting barely eked out by Francis Tiafo and Jack Sock. But then just the 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 celebration of his career after were just just brought a tear to everybody's eye. I watched it a couple of times and unfortunately uh, my wife didn't get an opportunity to watch it with me and I I had taped it. So I came home from work and I heard Sarah in the other room and she I could tell she was crying and she was saying, you know, don't do it. You don't have to do this. Think it through and this kind of thing. And I walked in, of course she was watching our wedding video. But but the point is <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. See now that now I can tell that Johnny's not listening because that was actually pretty you funny. I told serious, that joke man. at the Colorado Tennis Hall of Fame gala, and it did a little bit better there. Maybe I delivered it better. But the fact is, that night was really um, one of the one of the best career celebrations and classy send offs that I have ever seen in any sport. And to me, that is hands down the moment of the year in 2022. Any any disputes of that? Um, well, I mean, I'm jumping ahead of you here, Johnny. Uh, not really. I thought that was very special. Of course, Serena Williams at the U.S. Open, that whole week was unbelievably special. Now, of course, she never went out and said that she is definitely retiring. We put words in her mouth thinking that this must be it. Some people are most probably thinking, well, maybe it's better to retire because you're not most probably going to win another major. But there's a lot of people that think that she might still have a chance if she shows up and she's ready. Um, but, uh, yeah, in the end, Federer, we know he's retiring. He's done. And that was extremely special. Of course, it helps to have Rafa Nadal next to you, who you can hold hands with, and Novak Djokovic on the court as well. And then every other player in the world on the men's side that's done anything uh, was there. Um, so in terms of active players, Bjorn Borg right there, John McEnroe right there, Jim Courier interviewing. I mean, it can't get any better. Yeah. So I think that, yeah, the whole evening was absolutely incredible. But I have to say that as Roger Federer is going to be missed and no one will ever, ever fill his shoes, and I was very worried. And 2022 went through without Roger Federer, and there wasn't a hiccup along the way. We will always miss him, but he's not, and nobody ever will be, a necessity for our sport to move forwards uh, and keep rolling. And sometimes it just rolls along, but not this year. It accelerated because of Carlos Alcaraz and then Rafa Nadal winning too. How can a sport accelerate when Roger Federer is not even on tour? So I think that it tells you that, Federer is great. We're going to miss him forever. And our sport is very healthy right now. Johnny, you mentioned that it was the accomplishment of the year is basically the way it sounded when you talked about Nadal winning that 14th French Open, 22nd major, second major of the year. But ultimately was the accomplishment of the year, Iga Svantec's 37-match win streak. Yes, I think that uh, might be the highlight. Uh, because in today's in today's world of tennis, the depth and the competition at the at the at the at the level that we're talking about, 
you know, guys are beating, I mean, guys that are, and gals that are top five in the world are losing at times to, to, to players that are ranked, you know, around a hundred, you see it all the time. And so to win 37 matches, so 37 matches in a row um, is just, it's just, I don't know if you're going to see that again uh, anytime soon. And so that is really a feat that should be um, maybe at the top. Okay. Well, guys, it has been an amazing treat for me to work with you guys for another year. And, and Matt's, uh, being that this was a big year for you, we'll give you uh, the final word on what you're excited about. What's the top storyline? Obviously, Johnny having his tournament again in 2023 is very exciting because it's just another great tournament on American soil. But ultimately, from an international perspective, what is, what is the big storyline for us as tennis fans for 2023, according to Matt Vlander. So, I mean, I think that tennis is in, in, in a lot of different places right now. I think on the men's side, only because we've been talking about them, we should really start with the women. But on the men's side, extremely healthy with, with a couple of 19-year-olds and Carlos Alcaraz and Holger Rune. To, for them to believe and for us to realize that, hey, you can be 19 and you can beat the best players in the world. That hasn't happened since Rafa Nadal did it about, what is that, 18 years ago. So that's a very, very welcome situation because now you might have other 19-year-olds. And, and really, now it is an open sport. Anyone can win. 37-year-olds can win too. And then you have that generation in, the, in between Tsitsipas, Medvedev, Zvera, Berrettini, Nick Kyrgios. They're not done. In fact, they haven't even so, sort of scratched the surface yet because Novak and Rafa, they're still there. So they're still trying to break through that door. Um, so that's, that's really healthy. On the women's side, it's healthy because of the level that some of these women are playing. Iga Swantek, you mentioned. Uh, Elena Rybakina in the Wimbledon was unbelievable. Um, Coco Goff, amazing year playing singles and doubles. And then I like to throw out a warning flag. Ash Barty, what an unbelievable player, decided to quit. Naomi Osaka, amazing career so far. Nowhere to be found in terms of her comeback. I think we have to look at it and say, okay, whoa, hold on. What's happening here a little bit on the women's tour? Like, why are these ladies not interested in playing longer when Nadal and Federer and Serena Williams are showing you that, that, you know, you could play this for a very long time and it's a great, uh, it's obviously a great profession. You can make a lot of money. Uh, You're going to feel good about uh, what you've done as an athlete. So I think there's a little bit of a warning flag there for, for the women. And I think I like to sort of hope that people go out and, Think about it. Like, what's going on? Are we putting too much pressure on them? Um, are we asking Emma Raducanu to not just be a tennis player, but also a fashion model? Um, agents, where are we with all that? Um, so I think that there's a warning flag to be thrown up there. But the level of the women's game has been unbelievable and will be. But we can't keep losing some of our stars on the women's side. It opens up the draw, but we can't lose our superstars Every year. That's not good. Caroline Garcia, Arena Sabalenka, Leila Fernandez. There, there are a lot of ladies that are out there that are that are also playing great tennis. So I agree with you that, that 2023 is very promising on, on the men's and the women's side. On behalf of the two Hall of Famers, 
Matt Vlander and Johnny Levine. I'm Andy Zoden. This has been the 2022 season of KickServeRadio.com, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, and damn glad to be a part of Tennis Channel. So thank you guys very much. Thanks for listening. Have a great holiday season. Happy New Year, and we will catch you in 23.